Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. All right. How you doing there, sir? Ready to go? What do you say? Feel like uh, making a little magic today? <laughs> is that what this is called? <laughs> All right, Reggie, are you ready? I certainly am. Keep those levels where they're at. I'll give you the three S's and the countdown. You give me the music, and I will give you a podcast. How about that? Sounds like a deal. All right? I'll hold up your end, my end. You hold up your end. <laughs> Oh, what? what was that? Do you know? No, just some kind of computer world space junk or something just flowing through the uh, through the atmosphere of the internet. <laughs> All right, are you ready to go? Let's do this. Star, smile, strong. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. Lo and behold, there we are. But don't forget, you should rate and subscribe to this podcast. And also, you should get your butt out there and tell everybody in the in the Twitterverse, whatever they how they're calling it now, used to call it the in, the information superhighway. They don't do that anymore. That's like a twenty five year old phrase. But regardless, get out there, hit the streets, hit the pavement, tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podcastic, and it should be theirs too. Come on, get out there. If you like what you hear, don't forget, go to WGNRadio.com, hit the podcast prompt, and it'll bring another screen up, hit the prompt for this specific podcast. You hit that prompt that says Elton Jim's Captain Podcast, and my goodness gracious, you will be confronted with scores of podcasts just keep scrolling down and down and down there's so many there for you to listen to listen to what you talked to what we talked about before so you can know what we're going to talk about today today being episode number 363 and it makes sense as i tell you many times listen to the past so you can understand what we're talking about in the present and once again, that advice, that guidance, that little adage comes into play. It's not my main topic, but I always promise you updates on the different progresses or regresses <laughs> that happen in the world, in my world at least, 
I mean, that's ultimately, you know, why you're listening today, right? There's some interest you've got in what I've got to say, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> and and that interest uh, is certainly much appreciated. So thank you very much for you both long time and, and newbies, if you will. For you long timers, hopefully you're all up to date. For your newbies, as I say, go to the WGNRadio.com prompt for podcasts and uh, and learn about what the heck this podcast is all about. A few weeks ago, this has been an interesting little thread of podcast topics. So several weeks, well, maybe three or four weeks ago or so, I uh, the main topic of the podcast was concerning the whole idea and 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 um, scenario of jury duty in relation to at the time the Donald Trump indictment in New York City of which the former president has been indicted and and my uh, take had nothing to do with whether you like Trump or not or you know whatever your politics are nothing to do with that it was more about if this case ever does go to a jury and there is some question about the validity of it so who knows it could get thrown out it could get settled who knows what's going to happen um it is certainly a uh, a scenario in progress if you will <laughs> and um, but one of the aspects of it if it ever does get to, to trial was i was explaining is that while most people try to get out of jury duty, when that summons comes in the mail, it's a forbidding piece of uh, of mail. As I said, it's got it's it's an oversized envelope. You can always almost always tell, even before you see the board of elections on the uh, on the outside of the envelope and your name in that specific dark font. It's very that font on the summons for jury duty is 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 unique it it tell it looks scary and 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 intimidating uh i think on purpose but before you see it uh on the envelope the size of that envelope gives you a hint even even before as you're maybe shuffling through your mail but um but i was saying how because it's going to be such a high profile case if it ever gets to court and in today's world, if anyone has any kind of connection to anything in the public eye, uh, they exploit it to, to the greatest degree, whatever they can do to get their five seconds of fame. You know, Andy Warhol said 15 minutes of fame about 50 years ago. Everybody will be famous for 15 minutes. Okay, that has become, that's, it, it came true. Uh, so uh, kudos to you, Andy, wherever you are. But uh, in today's world, it's not 15 minutes anymore. Everything moves so fast. It's not 15 minutes. It's not five minutes. It's five seconds of fame. And people still clutch for it. <laughs> anything to get a like, anything to get on TikTok, anything to get on the news, anything, anything that that says, look at me, see me. Uh, people go for it today. 
There's always the, you know that you know, what you know what's funny is that reality television or social media in many ways is the lottery of the human condition. People play the lottery to get rich, right? So that's that's monetary. There's a monetary reward for playing the lotto. But as I think about it now, um recognition likes views fame in quotes celebrity in quotes those two terms have been completely diluted in today's society but they still apply they don't and in some cases they do carry a lot of weight i mean there's a whole there's a whole industry of influencers now there are people there are kids in college people in college who, whose goal is to is is not to become a lawyer, is not to become uh, a doctor, is not to become a nurse, is not to become uh, you know a marketing sp- whatever. Their 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 goal is, I want to be an influencer, and why not? Uh, there's no real work involved there. There's no real training. Right, being an influencer is just being yourself in front of a camera. So it's the easiest job on earth. You're going to be yourself that day anyway, weren't you? <laughs> so why not? Why not make some money at it? <laughs> no preparation involved. You're just turning a camera on yourself, and oh, here I am this morning, and you know it's really warm outside, and uh, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do today. Um, but um, I might shave, or I might wash my hair. I, uh, but I don't know. I might just sit around today. You know, that's, that's quite, that's compelling content, but but that's, (laughs) that's what sells today. But my point was that we are so, um, yeah. So think about that. Uh, today likes and views are like the, uh, they satisfy while, while the lottery satisfies your, your need or want for a monetary reward. Uh, the internet, TikTok, social media, things like that—they serve your uh, your narcissism. They serve your psyche. It's like the lottery for your psychological side, not your monetary side, not your possession side, but your psychological side. When you when you get involved in social media, it's almost like that's you're playing the lottery. Will I will I strike it rich? Will I get all these likes? Will I become an influencer? It's the same gamble, right? And there's a reward at the end. So it's kind of like social media is kind of like a psychological lottery for people. And my point about jury duty is that if you are on the Trump jury, my goodness, uh, when 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 the trial's going on. And certainly after it's over, people will be able, will definitely be going, people who are involved on the jury in that case, if it goes to trial, will definitely be interviewed by the media, will be going on social media and saying why they voted for whatever way. There was just a high-profile case here in Chicago concerning uh, our major electrical uh, uh, utility. And several people were involved in a corruption scheme including former CEOs and uh, political lobbyists. And uh, all four of them were were found guilty. And then the next day, 
I was reading a, a, a story account of, of the verdict, and there's, there there were three or four or five jury jurors being quoted about the decision and why they voted the way they did to convict these people. That that was never the case. And if there were some some insights into why they were few and far between, there was almost this, once again, I've talked many times in journalism, in the past there were many unwritten rules about what you did and what you didn't do. And to keep the sanctity of the jury room, Jurors were 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 off, you know. They 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 were um, they were off the record. Well, they weren't even off, they they were out of bounds. You know, the, the the media didn't didn't really approach them, and if they did, the jurors didn't say anything. But in today's world, anybody who has any information that might be interesting shares it. They even share information that is not interesting. We are sharing everything with everybody all the time whether it's interesting or not for that for that social media lottery win where we will become a viral i mean that's that's the big that's that's the the the, the 500 million dollar lottery prize going viral that's the social media lottery prize so i was my point was that it will be interesting to see how many people instead of trying to usually get off of jury duty if there was a Trump trial, given the high profile and the, and the media interest in this, people will now be trying to get on a jury for the first time. Once again, social media completely switching, flipping normalcy on its head, changing the paradigm. People always want to get out of jury duty, have wanted to do that since the jury system was invented. But in today's world, if there's a high-profile case, I believe that being on the jury, people will lie to get on it now. They will use their connections. Do you know somebody in the jury system? Yeah, I do. Why? Do you want to get off of jury duty? No, no, I want to get on. <laughs> what do you mean you want to get on? Yeah, I want to get on that the Trump trial. Can you, can, do you have a, a contact in the jury system, in the Board of Elections, or, or you know, in the, not the Board of Elections, but, uh, you know, can you get me a, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, let me see what I can do. <laughs> it used to be the other way around. Well, then the irony was, I was talking about this, and literally, the day that I posted that jury duty podcast, guess what I got in the mail? A summons to appear for jury duty. <laughs> it was it was it was surreal. It, it, it was it's wild. I saw that envelope. I saw it when I pulled the when I pulled the mail out of my mailbox. I could tell I got that oversized envelope. I knew it before I shuffled through, and sure enough, saw it. I'm like, "You wow, holy cow!" But I did only have a standby jury summons, which means that you are not um, obligated to definitely appear to potentially be on a jury, but you are. You have to. You are a standby juror, so if they need extra people for whatever reason, then you would go in. But most likely, you probably would not have to appear. So I, uh, just as an update here, I, I told you about it. 
May 3rd was the day it was supposed to appear. Um, so on May 2nd, uh, you're supposed to call the day, the night before, like at 4.30, the night before you are to appear. If you have a standby jury summons, just if you have that, if you have a, a summons to appear, you have to appear. But the standby one is uh, does give you an out to some extent. And so at 4.30, the day before, I had to call, and there's a a recording, and it, they ask you, you know, what's the date? On you, make sure you check that it says standby jury on the top of your summons. Make sure the date is 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 for tomorrow. Then they ask you which courtroom, which courthouse you were assigned to, and there's a prompt for each one. And I pressed it, and sure enough, I was told I did not need to appear. So I did not have to go to jury duty. Um, I don't think that in my courtroom, Donald Trump was going to be there. So <laughs> I didn't miss anything big. <laughs> but now here's the one thing that I found a little interesting. So, uh, you know, the whole idea is when you get the jury summons and you you appear, then it will be a certain amount of you go back into the system until your name comes up again, and it's mostly five, six, seven years later. So, rather than get an extension, because I, 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 you know, it's, it's, it, you can't ask for an extension, which just prolongs it. They'll say, okay, well, we'll give you an extension, but we're going to put you back in the system, and you'll probably get another recall in about six months. For me, it was about a year, but it was still, they, I still got called again even though it was a standby situation. But the thing is, if you do appear, if you do, if you, and say you, whether you serve on a jury or at least you show up and you're never called to appear on the jury or sometimes you're not even called to be interviewed for it, um, as long as you did your duty to show up that day, then once again, you'll go back in the system, but it most likely will be five or six years be- before you're called again, which I found interesting on this situation with the standby jury system is that, is that now, okay, I, I, they, I, I sort of got this little waiver one, like, oh, you didn't get a, 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 a summons to appear, but I still had to wait and call. I could have gotten called. But so now I won't I will get thrown back into the system again and may get called again soon after some period of time, probably shorter than later, and possibly be called not for our standby status, but also to be called that I have to appear. So yeah, I'm off I was off the hook for May third, but I certainly We'll probably be expecting, or at least maybe, I don't know, we'll get called again within a year or so, and maybe we'll have to appear. We'll see. But one way or another, um, the jury duty for right now, the jury saga, the jury duty saga is over, but it it, it was a very, <laughs> very coincidental situation to uh, be talking about it. And the day that I it posts online, I get the jury duty summons, and and I was fairly confident that um, that I wouldn't have to appear. Uh, but still, you never know. And I, when I hit that button, you know, I hit you know I hit the prompt for my courthouse, 
and they said you know and they and they stretch it out they 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 keep you hanging you know when you call in it's a recording and it doesn't just say if you if you're a standby juror you don't have to come tomorrow click that would be nice no no they they stretch it out they're like we're we, you we, you've waited like you know f- three or four weeks since you got this summons and we're going to keep you waiting now in this standby thing for at least another 20 seconds, another minute, which will seem like 20 minutes. But we're not going to tell you right away. So first, first they go through the explanation. If you're a standby juror uh, for your call, make sure that there's the standby juror thing on the top of your thing. Make sure that it's for the right date. So they're giving you all that stuff. And now, uh, you know, you will go into this prompt for your courthouse. If you're going for this courthouse, set one. For this car, set two. So now you have to wait for your courthouse to be named. You're waiting again. Then you click that. It says now that you have been. Oh, so now your summons. And they go through that stuff again, you know, for this courthouse. Uh, and you will not need to be, uh, you know, to appear. Finally. And then they give you this other caveat. However, just know that now your name may, will, you, you may be called again. Uh, to serve, to be, to to definitely appear as opposed to be a standby. So that was not a quick phone call either. <laughs> and it's almost like it, be, the the interesting thing is being on waiting for the verdict of your jury duty decision is feeling like a defendant in a case to see: Am I on or off? <laughs> am I am I guilty or innocent? <laughs> But I, um, I got, uh, I, I was, I got a pass. I got, I got pardoned by the governor at the last second, so I didn't have to go to standby jury uh, selection. I was going to have to go in Rolling Meadows, uh, Illinois suburb here, which would have been kind of far too. So it wasn't. It's anywhere in Cook County. Uh, so that would have been. Um, you know, a, a nice little drive as well. It would have taken a pretty big chunk out of the day just for travel there and back. But anyway, dodged a bullet, got a reprieve, got a last-minute reprieve from the governor. So uh, no jury duty. So the jury duty saga is uh, is continued is 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 done for now. But I will keep you updated on future jury duty developments hopefully that won't be for another five or six years (laughs) um what i really wanted to talk about today though uh, was i said though always 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 giving you updates always keeping you informed always keeping you updated on everything we talk about here that's what this whole podcast is about it's a dialogue between you and me Sure, there's hopefully a, a, you know several thousand other people, tens of thousands, millions listening. I have no idea. It could be just you and me, to be honest with you. <laughs> but regardless, I, I don't care. Uh, I'm just happy to um, to be sharing with anybody who wants to listen. So just giving you a little update on that. But what I really want to talk about today, and interestingly, um, a new wrinkle to this topic just occurred in addition to what I was going to talk about anyway. Uh, In the past week or so, one of television's uh, late-night hosts, late-late-night hosts, literally, of the Late Late Show on CBS, James Corden, um, retired from the show, quit the show. 
did not decide to renew his contract after eight years. He started in 2015, and he was on CBS after the Late Show. Now with with uh, Steve uh, Steve Colbert, and it shocked a lot of people because even though the the late night host and the late night show um, aura has diminished quite a bit from what it used to be on television, it's still a high-profile job. Uh, it still is a well-paying job. I mean, I, even 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 for an upstart, you're going to get a five, six, seven million dollar payday a year on, especially on network television. So it's a pretty good gig. It's a it's a it's a it's an hour on network television. It's a prestige type of thing. Even though, as I said, some of the prestige or the cachet of the late night host has been diminished since the days of Johnny Carson, who has been gone now, you know, for 30 years. He's almost been off the air, I think, and now as long, was it 93 or 94? I think it was 93 or 92. So he's been off the air now longer than he was on the air with the show. I think he did the show for 30 years. Yeah, I think he went off in 92. So it's been more than 30 years now uh, that, that he's been off the show. So for some people, they don't even know who Johnny Carson was or they don't really even care anymore, you know. Uh, it would be probably similar to the way that many of us who watched Johnny and grew up with Johnny reacted to the person who he replaced, who was Jack Parr. Johnny took over in... in 62, and yes, it, uh, he went in 1992 was when he was done. Right around now, in May of 92. So he's been off the air for 31 years this year, and he hosted the show for 30 years. So he's been off the air now longer than he hosted it. <laughs> and of course, he passed away a few years ago. But I remember as a kid growing up, and and Johnny was the host now. And then I would hear about the previous host, Jack Parr, who was very popular in his day, and he walked away from the show, which shocked a lot of people because he was very popular. And uh, and it, once again, especially at, at that in that era in the sixties, that, that that late night Tonight Show was huge. You know, I have to understand. Once again, there was the, the the options for television in the early '60s were very small. Even here in the United States, there were only three networks. So to get a show was it was not like today, where people have their their own YouTube channels and TikTok and all that other stuff. It was very competitive, and it was like winning the lottery. If you got a television show of any kind. If you got a television job on a network of any kind, that you had won the lottery there because though there were not that many opportunities and to be hosting the Tonight Show was a big deal. 
And Jack Parr, for whatever reasons, whether it was personal reasons, he was kind of a quirky guy. Uh, he had some, some, uh, you know, some meant. I think he had some emotional problems that he had talked about. Um, but when he left, we always heard about oh, Jack Parr, Jack Parr, Jack Parr. A lot. There were references, and then and as the years went on, you didn't hear as many references to Jack Parr because then it, w- it was twenty years since Johnny took over for Jack Parr. But but in the early to mid seventies, there were still references to Jack Parr, and he was still alive, and he would show up every so often. But you would hear about that, but it didn't really have any resonance because you didn't see them and you didn't see reruns of any of, on some documentaries or sometimes you would see some old reruns of the jack parr tonight show but it was different and and there was not a lot of uh, footage there in the early days of tv a lot of times all those old tapes were destroyed or they didn't even record the shows so there, there's not a huge amount of jack parr tonight show footage like there is with johnny but even some of the early Johnny footage doesn't exist. It was destroyed or or, or, or it was uh, lost or whatever. And then obviously by the late 60s and early 70s, they realized, okay, wait a minute. We've got a, a Trevor trove, treasure trove here of um, of material. And now a lot of the, the Tonight Show clips, you can see them online and, and, and you see some of the, the big celebrities of the past. So, so from a historical standpoint, it's great to be able to see some of these legends that you may have heard about. But we didn't really see a lot of the Jack Parr era in in retrospect, in, in reruns, because a lot of it didn't exist. So that you, I heard the name growing up, but I didn't really have an, uh, a real connection to it. So I'm sure for many people now, younger people, when they talk about late night, they will always bring up Johnny Carson in, as in some reference point. But I'm sure for younger people, it's a name that they've heard, but they never probably even watched Johnny, even though he was on for 30 years. So Corden left, and it was a it was a shock to some extent, um, because it's a good gig and it's a high profile gig, and even in James Corden's situation, it was almost like, and I'm not I'm not I'm not putting the guy down necessarily, but. It was almost like stealing money because with with the time slot, 12.30 in the morning on the East Coast, 11.30 in the Central Time Zone, oh, you know, a lot of people aren't going to be up late watching that late of a show anyway. The Tonight Show, which is on at 11.30 Eastern, 10.30 Central, even that was considered uh, late. People would always say, oh, you know, uh, I go, I put the Tonight Show on and I fall asleep with Johnny Carson every night. I go to bed with Johnny Carson every night. Uh, the show, Johnny Carson's show initially, the Tonight Show, was, was for many years until the late 70s, early 80s, was like an hour and a half. It was a long show. And then it cut down to an hour. But, a while, but it, for, for a while, it was, it was an hour and a half show. So people would fall asleep. So in today's world, obviously, you don't have to watch anything live, and few people do. Everybody's watching, you know, everybody's DVRing, everybody's recording, everybody's just watching clips now. So James Corden 
had a really sweet situation in that, uh, you know, it was more for can you, in James Corden thing, it wasn't the ratings so much because they weren't expected to draw that much ratings given the time slot. So it was a question of just getting enough people and monetizing the show in ways to to bring money in if you can't get it from the ratings and advertisers for sponsorships of things and and once again um you know the whole goal today of even the the, the three main talk shows Jimmy Kimmel the tonight show with Fallon and the late show with Colbert most people don't even watch those entire shows anymore. So their goal, they have 40, they have, you know, it's an hour show. So with commercials in an hour, it's probably about 45 minutes of real content. And the real goal in today, this just goes to show you the, 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 the shift in thing. Everything is, 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 has, has shifted so much because of, um, you know, of, of, of once again, social media, smartphone technology, attention spans. The goal now for those late night talk shows is, is not even the ratings. Certainly they count for something. The actual viewers who watch it, that will still always be the main deciding factor. But then it is within that 45 minutes, if you can, if, if, if the host and their staff can come up with at least three good minutes in any way, whether it's a good interview, whether it's a good monologue, whether it's a good uh, you know little set piece when they talk, you know, they do a little piece from the from the thing. If they do a skit, if they do a pre-recorded segment, whatever it is, the the expectations now it just goes to show you how different it is. Because everybody's got on a short attention span, everybody's watching on their on their on their smartphones. Those late night talk shows don't even really have to deliver forty five minutes of solid entertainment. If they could come up with one good chunk of three minutes or less that they can that they can edit out of that show and and post as a a video clip. Oh, here's what happened on the on the Steve Colbert show last night, or here's what happened last night on Jimmy Fallon's show, if they can get one good clip that goes viral, that, that gets a lot of likes and it gets a lot of views, that's considered success. And that's why those shows really, uh, I'll be honest, I don't watch any of them on a regular basis. As I was a little kid growing up, and and then grew into a, a teenager and and into my twenties. Yes, I did watch Johnny Carson, but even not all the time. But certainly much more than I do these guys now. I watched Letterman after Carson in my twenties and thirties, and then well in my twenties, and then and then I did watch him when he hosted his own show, the one that Colbert has now at ten thirty five. Central time. But even not every night. But I certainly watch the late night shows much more. But now that 
Letter when Letterman retired, I stopped watching them altogether. Uh, not a fan of Jimmy Fallon's at all, at all. Terrible interviewer, fawns over the guests, laughs at everything. Uh, if you really want to, if you really want to see. <laughs> You know, once again, although, you know, Jimmy, NBC loves Jimmy Fallon. I don't know why. I don't find him that funny. I didn't find him that cute and funny and charming and whatever when he used to be on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live and he used to break up and laugh it all the time. I just, I, and he's still, he's just doing that now to an even nth degree, but he's a terrible interviewer. Uh, his big shtick, once again, his shtick, those three, that, that, that prize three minutes that you can, make into a, a video clip to post the next day. His big shtick is basically playing games. That's what his shtick was. He plays games with celebrities. Drinking games, ping pong, password, even, you know. You, know, you watch NBC. Jimmy Fallon is all over NBC, not just as a late-night host, but he's producing show. He's on Password, the new version of Password. There's, there's something about my jam. He creates these shows. He's on these. I mean, I don't get it. That's my personal opinion. I just don't get it. I don't think he's that funny. Um, yeah, he does some good impersonations, but uh, I don't think that is uh, is enough to get the kind of exposure and longevity that he's had. And like I said, even his shtick with playing the games with celebrities. It's real easy. It didn't take a lot of creativity, but that's his shtick because his interviews are terrible. He laughs over. As I said before, uh, I think he's the worst of the late night hosts because uh, I just don't think he's a host. He's a, he's a sketch comedian. That's what he was on Saturday Night Live. I, I, I don't see him in this role at all, but, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think he's in third place. So it's not like he's dominating, but he it is what it is. So whatever. He's in a much better position than I am. <laughs> so I can say all I want, but he's got the last laugh, so whatever. But um but I st- still I don't have to I don't have to enjoy him. Uh but what's so funny is if you want to see Jimmy Fallon if you want to see why I, I'm not a fan of Jimmy Fallon's comedy has changed so much over the last 30 or 40 years. It always does. Don't get me wrong. But the kind of comedy that I grew up in used to really poke fun and, and do satire. I love satire and I love parody. A lot of my comedy and a lot of what I try to do and say is satirical. You know, a lot of things that I say, I say with, with a wink, you know, I, I, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not lying about anything, but I'm also exaggerating things and, and saying things in a satirical manner because that's, that's what I grew up with. That's the kind of comedy that was popular when I was growing up or the, at least the ones that I enjoyed. I never liked slapstick. I'm not a big fan of slapstick. That's why I don't like the jackass things. People jumping off of stuff, people getting hurt, I, that doesn't, it doesn't I, don't, I never found that interesting or funny. So uh, go online, one of the best TV shows ever, which was full of satire and parody, and this is what I grew up on, uh, 
The early days of Saturday Night Live, that's what they used to do. They used to do satires and parodies on, on things. Even the old Carol Burnett show used to do set, you know, parodies on commercials and things like that. I and That's the kind of comedy that I enjoyed. SCTV, which came along around the same time as Saturday Night Live, based on, on Second City and many of the performers on SCTV, had done some stints in Chicago. Most of them were from the Canadian branch of Second City. But there were some that that did some time here in Chicago, Harold Ramis. But go online, go on YouTube, and look up SCTV Sammy Maudlin Show, M-A-U-D-L-I-N. And the and, and the name, the word maudlin is not there just because it's a funny sounding name. Once again, there is parody and satire and irony in that name based on what the sketch is. But go on YouTube and look up Sammy Maudlin because it's a takeoff on... TV talk shows, very biting, very satirical, and the host is Sammy Maudlin, and he completely fawns over his guests, and he's there just to compliment them and everything is great and you're great and that's great and everything it's just over the top laughing ridiculously over the jokes you name it he's got a sidekick laughs at everything just like ed mcmahon it was a total takeoff on the talk show genre taken to an extreme because many times the hosts will, oh, that um, uh, that was a great set. That was that was good stuff. That was funny. Ah, you know, you know. Oh, you got to always compliment your guests. Well, well, the the idea here was that you got to take this to the nth degree. That's what parody and satire do. If you watch this, so they were making fun of guests, or they were making fun of hosts who are fawning and over. Uh, overdoing their compliments and overdoing all of their, uh, you know, uh, praise. Oh, you're the greatest this. That's the funniest of that. If the person would come on and make a, a, a line or a joke, they would fall over laughing. It was a total parody and takeoff on the fawning talk show host. The irony is this was a parody. This was a biting satire on that. From 40 years ago, about how silly and stupid it is, how funny it is, because it's, it's so outrageous and so, and so unhip. And that, if you watch clips of the Sammy Maudlin show, it's the Jimmy Fallon show that's playing it for legit, for playing it for real. It just goes to show you the way tastes have changed and... And, and, and comedy has changed. 40 years ago, if you, were, if you were hosting a show like Jimmy Fallon does, you would be skewered for that. You would, you would be made fun of. You're a hack. 
Jimmy Fallon probably gets paid $15 million for doing the Sammy Maudlin show. So 40 years ago, we made fun of people who who fawned and laughed at every joke and, and fell off their chair and got up and walked off and all that other over-the-top BS that Jimmy Fallon does because, oh, oh, you're so funny. I'm, I can't even sit in my chair. Oh, I'm falling off the chair. You're so funny. All that that fake showbiz stuff. Jimmy Fa- That's Jimmy Fallon's part and parcel. 40 years ago, if you... They they made fun of that, but watch, go on YouTube and and get SCTV Sammy Maudlin show, and I guarantee you any episode that you pick, you know, you know it's not even episodes, you know, it's a, little, it's a short little skit segment, four or five minutes, but if you look at the way the Sammy Maudlin show, which is a complete satire, complete parody, condemning this kind of talk show host for being so over the top and uh, flattering their guests. If you watch Jimmy Fallon, that's what Jimmy Fallon does for legit. And for some reason, that's selling. That's I don't know. People are accepting it. So every time I watch Jimmy Fallon, I just think of the Sammy Maudlin show and I have to shut it off, even if I try to watch it. Because I'm like, this is, this is Sammy Maudlin. But hey, more power to him. I, 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 I don't know. Why people find him interesting or funny? That's it's to me. That's it's it's terrible. And the the irony is, I guarantee you, the people uh, Eugene Levy, who everybody of course knows from Shit's Creek now, uh, you know, he was a founding member of the SCTV uh, cast. Did some great skits on SCTV. To me, SCTV was better than Saturday Night Live in terms of consistency. Saturday Night Live had some amazing skits. Don't get me wrong. In its heyday, in the in the from 1975, you know, through 1980, it was the glory days. And then, of course, in the 90s, there were new people. But those that first cast, you know, with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi and Gilda Radner and Jane Curtin, uh, you know, and, and so many more, Chevy Chase, uh, they created some great skits. You know, the Coneheads Weekend Update. Uh, the wild and crazy guys, the bees. I mean, there was a million things. Don't get me wrong. But on a consistent basis, SCTV really, because there were some clunkers on Saturday Night Live too that we forget about. But SCTV was, was filmed. It wasn't live. So they had the advantage of editing. And, and so I, I, I get it. But the people on SCTV, like Eugene Levy and John Candy and Rick Moranis and Harold Ramis um, and Maureen O'Hara, from also from Schitt's Creek, uh, and Joe Flaherty uh, and Andrea Martin and Dave Thomas and later Martin Short, uh, a, listen to those names. They've all gone on to very influential and important and successful careers. In other areas, movies and television, you name it. So that show was packed with talent. And they did parodies and satires. That's basically what they did. And I actually enjoyed SCTV more than Saturday Night Live in many ways. And so uh, if you don't know about SCTV, go back and watch some of that. 
and watch Bob and Doug McKenzie, and as I said, watch the Sammy Maudlin show, and watch John Candy do Orson Welles. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, and watch Joe Flaherty uh, do Count Floyd, the like a Sven Gulli type of, oh, I mean, it's hilarious stuff. Uh, they they were so sharp uh, and so quick witted, and they really had an eye for satire. And they 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 found the absurdity in so many things, and turned it on its head. And they found the absurdity of these fawning talk show hosts, and that was the Sammy, Sammy Marlin show. And unfortunately for us, that is now the Jimmy Fallon show. <laughs> but once again, uh, I'm not a big fan of Jimmy Kimmel's. I I I I, I really don't get his humor anyway. And then I'm not a big a fan of Colbert. Way too political for me. He's 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 trying to you know he's you know he made his bones with Trump. That show was almost canceled. Steve Colbert's if not for Donald Trump, Steve Colbert loses the loses his show. I don't even think he would deny that at this point. Donald Trump gave him life. He made fun of Donald Trump there were enough people that didn't like Donald Trump who's flocked to Colbert and Colbert you know wears his politics on his sleeve and he was a Trump basher every night and that's how and things were so I mean things were so bad that Jimmy Fallon doing the Sammy Maudlin show was the number one talk show that's how bad things were that's how bad Jimmy Kimmel was that he couldn't even beat uh you know Jimmy Fallon but Colbert was 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 you know took over from from Letterman and his ratings were not good. And if it wasn't for Donald Trump providing Steve Colbert an audience and a forum to bash Trump every night, Steve Colbert is fired. You don't even know who he's he's gone. Someone else is hosting that show, no question about it. I think Steve Colbert would admit that. I think he admitted as as, as much because things were not good. So the, the the big three in that coveted, you know, eleven thirty, twelve, you know, ten thirty central slot. I don't. I'm not even that impressed by the big three. Then we have the late shows after that with Seth Meyers once again from Saturday Night Live. And then James Corden, Seth Meyers on on NBC, and James Corden on CBS. I don't even know what's after Kimmel on ABC. I don't know if they still have Nightline. I don't even know because I don't watch. I don't watch Kimmel, so I certainly don't watch what's on after Kimmel's. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> but I do know. That there's Seth Meyers on CBS or on on NBC and uh, and up to now James Corden on CBS and I never I didn't watch either one of them I was not I uh, was never a big fan of Seth Meyers really either on Saturday Night Live so uh, I don't think I'm missing anything there and James Corden once again like Jimmy Kimmel I mean or like uh, like Jimmy Fallon not a talk show host. Talented guy, like I said, Jimmy Fallon does some great impersonations, and he's and he's pretty good in sketches, at, depending. But it's his impersonations that really 
are his best forte. And that's why he does so many on the show, because that's his forte. Like I said, his shtick is, you know, doing the playing the games uh, for his three-minute clip. Jimmy Fallon, uh, or, you know, that's his shtick. Uh, Steve Colbert... His big thing is is either his is mostly his monologue, especially during the Trump years. And Kimmel's shtick, I don't even know what Kimmel's shtick is to be to be. I don't know what his. I I, I just don't get him. I, I I don't think he's that funny. Once again, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I don't even know what his three minute like. What's his clip? What's his three minute shtick? I don't even know. His monologue is not as sharp as Colbert's. He doesn't have the game show playing games of celebrity stuff. I don't know even know what Jimmy Kimmel's three-minute nightly uh, you know clip next day is. I don't watch it, obviously. Now, with James Corden, uh, interesting story in James Corden all round because that gig... Those late night gigs are coveted because of the they're they're on five days a week, so you're getting amazing exposure. You're on a network, even though there's all this streaming. You still there's still a lot of people watching network television, so there's good salaries there for the host. There is prestige, you know, because of that show. James Corden has hosted other award shows. He appears on other things. There's prestige, even though. The audience is a fraction of what it used to be, of what Johnny Carson used to pull in. There's still prestige to it. Not as much as there used to be, but it's still there. If you have one of those gigs, you won the lottery, and you hold on to that for dear life. And that was what was so shocking for so many, to see James Corden give it up after eight years. I'm sure he made a, a, a good chunk of money. More than he ever needs because he's walking away from the show. But it was a big surprise. Now, uh, his story is very interesting. You know, he is not a talk show host, never was a talk show host. Wasn't even a stand-up comedian. Most of the other guys were all stand-up comedians. Or even sketch comedians from from shows like that. Uh, you know, Steve, Steve Colbert has a, a, you know, a, a Second City Chicago connection. Jimmy Fallon. Saturday Night Live. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel, not so much on those, but he did some other you know, segments. He had his man show on Comedy Central, and, and he used to appear on uh, the sports, one of the sports shows on Sundays to make his picks and stuff. So, But, um, but James Corden, British, first of all, not even an, an American actor where people have a lot of exposure to him, had much more uh, fame and notoriety Name uh, name recognition in England on television shows and in the West End theater, and then he came to the United States and appeared on Broadway. And once again, talk about luck and being anointed, and not even you know something falling into your lap that you had no idea for and no plan for. That's what happened to him. He was on stage doing a Broadway show. I think he won the Tony for it. Um, and uh, and the the head of of NBC, uh, the head of CBS was at the show, and 
he sees this guy, and Craig Ferguson was was doing a late night show and had a popular show, and he had some good shtick as well. He had his three minute clip. He used to have that that puppet, a skeleton puppet, uh, but that was kind of before the whole. Uh, you know, three-minute clip TikTok thing really was 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 popular, but he had a good following. But I don't know if they fired him or he or he quit. But um, but they're looking to replace Craig Ferguson and Les Moonves, the the president of of CBS at the time, goes to see James Corden in this Broadway show. And while there were a lot of names being thrown around, uh, you know, mostly stand-up comedians that had, you know, that had a lot of name recognition, Les Moonves goes to this play and says, "You know what? This guy is very funny and personable and likable." And so I think he would be good to host the Ferguson slot. And everybody was like, who, what, where, (laughs) what? But uh, you see the right people, the people in power, and... (laughs) They they can change your life. And Les Moonves chooses James Corden. A long you can't even get a longer shot than that was. But hey, you know, you, you, you go out there, you put yourself out there, and someone sees you. You know that's the thing about showbiz, you never know who's watching. Uh, and 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 maybe the sun shines on you. And it shined on James Corden. So he gets the job, very little name recognition here in the United States. You know, Broadway people may know him, English people may know him, but the majority of people don't. But that doesn't matter. They had the CBS, you know, promotion machine behind him. And then I have to say, I never watched a full episode of James Corden because once again, I I enjoy a talk show that that is a talk show that is interesting in interviews. James Corden was not an interviewer. He was just like Jimmy Fallon, not a good interviewer. And Steve Colbert is a, a good interviewer, pretty good. Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel's not bad. At least they've got some basis of 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 a talk show uh, format. Fallon and Corden were just where they were performers. That's they're running around just trying to keep you entertained for an hour they're not talk show hosts so the interviews with the celebrities even if they let, it was an interesting celebrity you found an interesting jimmy fallon and james corden were not going to talk about anything interesting because they fawned over the people uh they, they, the 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 interviews were not insightful they were not incisive they were just top level stuff that everybody knows and and just fawning over them so i was not really interested but i have to give credit to James Corden, I, ironically, even though he was in that that twelve thirty, eleven thirty slot, where hardly anybody is watching, of all the late night talk shows, so I will give him credit for this. 
I was not a fan of his as a, as a talk show host. But in terms of creating the perfect, brilliant, and I will use that word, brilliant idea to create that three-minute clip that I was telling you about before that you can edit out of that show and post the next day and say, here's what happened on the James Corden show. You might want to watch it. Nobody in the current crop, and I would even put that with some of the past, the past people. Certainly Jay Leno didn't have any shtick like that. He was number one for 20 years. Letterman had his Letterman had his top 10 list. Letterman had those. Letterman had several of those. Letterman kind of created that. I mean, Johnny Carson started it really. He had his you know, his Karnak and his his tea time movie thing. You know, he had his regular skits that, that were popular. So he started with Johnny, really. Letterman picked up the mantle and did it as well and did it very well, maybe the best. But I have to give my props to James Corden, even though I was not a fan of his and never really watched a full episode of the show in eight years. But there's no denying, and you have to say, that his carpool karaoke idea of sitting with a with a with a with a musical performer in a car and singing just those two and singing that performer's songs like we all do singing in a car when we're alone or singing with our friends with the songs on the radio singing it's it, it was the, the the to do it with the celebrity was genius and I will throw that word out too genius it was relatable it was funny. It was cool to watch. Everything about carpool karaoke was perfect. A perfect, entertaining segment. So kudos to James Corden. I think it was his idea because he's talked about how he was always singing in his car, uh, you know, with his with his sisters and his parents. So no question of any of the talk show hosts, none of the current ones came close to matching the brilliance and the popularity of the carpool karaoke segment. And that's what kept that his show on the air. It was a brainstorm. It was a stroke of genius. And because as a regular show, uh, you know, once again, bring, interviewing celebrities, he was not good at that. He had another segment that, that, that was fairly good called Crosswalk Musical, where... They would stage a a song from a Broadway musical, even with some sets and costumes, in the time that it takes for a car to be stopped at a at a red light. So, what is that? Fifteen twenty seconds. They would sing a, a thing from, you know, Phantom of the Opera or whatever. They would do a whole big thing, and then they run off the street when the light changed, and they would get the reactions of the of the people at the stoplight. It was that was a good bit too, but it wasn't as perfect as the carpool karaoke. So that was Corden's claim to fame. And once again, he deserves it. He wasn't a good talk show host. He was an entertainer. And both of those segments I just said to you, the carpool karaoke and especially the crosswalk musical, they played to his comedic strengths. He, he's, he was a Broadway performer and singer and comedian. And both of those segments play to his strength 
Now, what his strength wasn't was being a talk show host. That was the forum for those skits, those segments. So I don't think he was he was a successful talk show host. But in terms of those segments, especially carpool karaoke, brilliant. Especially they did a, a segment with Paul McCartney, which is a classic. It really is. I give my I give my uh, I give full props to James Corden for some of those things. You know his Mariah Carey segment, his Stevie Wonder segment. He he's a he's personal seg, uh, friends with Adele. She did it. But none of them were as great as the Paul McCartney one, not only because of just the, the, the magnitude of Paul McCartney's fame, to be sitting in a car with Paul McCartney and singing Beatles and McCartney songs with him. I mean, that's just, you can't get much closer to Nirvana if you're a pop culture person, right? But then to expand it and, and take McCartney to Liverpool and go to different places while, where he grew up, like his his childhood home, and then walk around Penny Lane where he wrote the song and see the barber shop and all the little locations of Penny Lane and then to walk past Strawberry Fields and and have him sign the Strawberry Fields sign with all the other people in the graffiti around it and then do a surprise show for people in a pub. And Paul McCartney, they're in some pub and the curtain opens and there's Paul McCartney and his band performing a show for like... 20 people in a pub in Liverpool. Perfect, perfect. I mean, once again, you can't, that was genius. But as a talk show host, he wasn't that good. So he's leaving. I, it doesn't bother me one way or the other. I don't watch him, never did. And I didn't even watch the carpool karaoke all that time, all, every night or even all the clips. But I have to say, a genius idea. But, you know, he walked away from probably 6 or $7 million a year. And he basically said, you know what? It's time. I want to I go back to England. I want to raise my kids in England. Apparently, maybe a couple of, uh, some of his parents, uh, both or, or, or some family members, have, not, have had some health issues. He wanted to spend time with them. A very, very gutsy move to give up one of those coveted spots that give you fame and fortune and opportunity. Um, he's only in his mid-40s. He certainly can do other things, but he'll probably never have the worldwide exposure on a nightly basis that he had on that show. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens to him, but it just goes to show you the realities of that world too. They are not replacing him with another talk show. Because of streaming cutting into so much of network television, they're looking to cut the budget. And even though, in many ways, it's easier to promote an existing show than to launch a new one because of name recognition. You have to spend so much money uh, in marketing and promotion and hope that that it catches on. As opposed to even of a show like Corden's, which didn't even draw a million people a night. Under a million people like 970,000 people. So for a network show, that's that's not a lot of people, but because of the carpool the carpool karaoke and their their way to sponsor things and monetize the show, the show was able to stay on. Cuz in their minds it was easier to promote a newer a, a, an existing show than launch a new one. 
But interestingly enough, when Corden decided to quit, they are not replacing that show with another talk show because of the costs that it that it takes. I mean, you know, Corden did a lot of uh, elaborate things. He went, he did many of these big segments with Tom Cruise. They'd go to, you know, and like I said, that McCartney thing, they flew to Liverpool. Tom Cruise, they were going to different cities and they were flying in planes. There's a lot of production costs there. In fact, I just read a an interesting uh, an interesting um, little news story about it that, you know, yes, Corden left, but did he really? You know, did they really try to keep him? Or did he kind of get fired? Because apparently that show was losing $20 million a year. It costs $65 million to produce that show each year with all the production costs to do all these different segments and all these different things. $65 million, but only took in in revenue $45 million a year. So that show was losing $20 million in today's world where the networks are losing viewers because of streaming and other you know, platforms and options that people have, it's pretty hard to swallow a $20 million deficit. So now they're going to put on a game show, I believe, in that time slot, which it will be much less to produce. It, it might get less audience, but it's at 1230 at night, so who cares? It's gravy now. If it doesn't cost you $20 million, you've got to keep the, the, the station on so you put something halfway uh, entertaining that doesn't cost a lot of money as opposed to a show that has its moments but still is costing you $20 million. You're losing $20 million on it, which was the case of James Corden. So it'd be very interesting to see what's going to happen moving forward in the late-night world. Because people's attention spans and the cachet of the late night talk show, while it still has some of that, is not as much as it used to be in in the heyday of it during the Johnny Carson years. Johnny Carson defeat many people went up against Johnny Carson on other networks, and they never could they never they never could unseat him. But we've seen over the last thirty years that. Letterman was initially, when he took over on CBS, he was initially number one. And then Jay Leno took over from him because Jay Leno exploited the OJ trial with the dancing Edos and all that. So there have been these moments. And then, and then, as I said before, Fallon came in incredibly, was number one for many years. And then Trump came in and Colbert overtook him. So much so that I think that Fallon might even sometimes be in third place. There really wasn't a lot of competition after Letterman left. So Fallon went to number one, and then when there was some competition, he fell to third. That goes to show you how much viewer loyalty he had. Johnny Carson was undisputed. No one ever, they they threw a lot of big names at him to overtake him. Joan Rivers, Chevy Chase, Jerry Lewis at one time in his heyday. Pat Say, all these names, nobody could touch. You know, Arsenio Hall could never touch Johnny Carson. They had some of their moments. Arsenio had a, a popular show for a while, but at the end of the day, Johnny was king. But those days are over. You see the the the, the late night, you know, people jump around from one to two to three. Uh, in terms of the ratings, but the rate, the overall impact of the show, the overall ratings of the show don't come close. 
It's more at this point a television tradition than a television necessity or a an appointment television viewing anymore. Those shows are really now expected to to provide, as I said before, three minutes of good content to have a clip the next day because nobody's really watching them live. So the hosts, don't get me wrong, high profile, great gig, well paid, more power to you. But in terms of the overall impact that shows like that used to have, you know, it's it's just not the same. So James Corden, congratulations. I hope you have a good a, a good retirement or whatever you're going to do. Uh, I hope you have enough money saved in the bank. And kudos to you for coming up with Carpool Karaoke. But to be honest with you, uh, I'm not really going to miss James Corden because I never really saw him. I watched his farewell special. And after I watched that hour, I said, now I know why I didn't watch him. Interesting, but not enough to, to, to captivate me to watch him again. Talented guy. No question. But not really my cup of tea. So James Corden leaves. We lose another talk show. And in the grand scheme, it doesn't really seem to make all that much difference. What I would suggest you do, go on YouTube and look up SCTV and prepare to laugh your butt off. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast, we are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion are much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 363. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. From the end of the web to your screen.